Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I cannot specifically say that he was one of the ones who assaulted me, but before this happened to me at that party, I saw Brett Kavanaugh there. If Avenatti's got corroborating witnesses, where are they? Where are they? It's been a week, and he hasn't put a single one forward. Not a one. And he Channel? didn't know when he was called that his client had had a restraining order on her. Yeah. He didn't even know that. All he said was, it's all bogus, which that's not going to cut it. People tend to forget this. Everybody knew Trump was going to lose. Well, I'm here to say, I think the odds are even money. Election night 2018 will be an even worse shock for the left than 2016 was. I don't think people want open borders. I don't think people want tolerance for fentanyl and opiate deaths. I don't think people want giant tax increases. I don't think people want to see mobs out there running around intimidating and bullying people. Uh, and I think that the Democrats are on a very, very weak position going into the last five weeks. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome from the heartland. It's Stacey Washington. I'm host of Stacey on the Right. I'm also... The 2018 Journalist of the Year from the Second Amendment Foundation. It's SAF.org if you want to go there and watch some of the speeches and panels from the conference. And still riding high off of that. Also still riding high off of the fact that we're doing a daily confession now. So let me tell you what's on the show. First of all, we have Vic Ass. He's a former development officer for the Young America's Foundation. He's going to come on today and talk about America's forgotten immigrants, the victims of socialism. Super important subject for us to keep at the forefront of our minds because people are currently in the process of being convinced that there's a system better than ours and it's socialism. And they keep pointing to countries that seem to be doing fine on the surface, but all of their military expenditures are paid for by the United States because we're capitalists and we have lots of extra money on hand, even though we borrow so much. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how difficult it is for them to really sell this and how it should be difficult. In fact, it should be impossible because any American who's experiencing the prosperity that we have had for the entirety of the existence of this country, even when we've had severe deprivation like the Great Depression, We've always been able to bounce back because our system enables people to, by the sweat of their own brow and their own creative ingenuity, create circumstances that cannot be replicated anywhere else in the planet. So we're going to talk about that. We also have um, some information about fiscal year 2018. Our debt is up trillion, over a trillion dollars, and we borrowed over $8,172 for every American who had a job. It's crazy pants. Imagine somebody sending you a bill for that much out of the blue and saying that's your part of the national debt and then just saying... We're going to take it out of your 401k or we're going to, you know, we're going to start garnishing you. Woo, people would be upset. That's a way to get them to shrink the government down. Start making people pay for the debt that we owe now. Pay it down now. Oh, yeah. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, I, w- I want to get into the Daily Confession. So if you're just tuning in, welcome to the show. We're doing the Daily Confession at the top of every show because, first of all, and I did this yesterday before I'd even seen the email about a listener saying that all day long she'd heard, you know, kind of that. Judge Kavanaugh's life had been destroyed and I'd already been on that same vein. And when I said his life had been destroyed, I'm talking about the, the, the life that he knew before he went out for this appointment and kind of the, the attitude of that life, because he'd really been, he he hadn't been attacked like this ever. 
He'd never had this kind of assault on his personal life, his work life, his family life, his home life, and the lives of people near and dear to him, his friends. That's why he wept, because his friends had been attacked and assailed, and really um, they'd had their, their, their reputations assaulted as well. And so I'm, I do not believe that Judge Kavanaugh's out for the count. In fact, I believe just the opposite. It's in times like these that we draw closer to the Lord, and he is able to show himself strong in us in our weakness we are made strong in him. It's, it's true. It's absolutely true. If you don't believe it, just wait until times get tough for you and watch the Lord come through. He's our refuge. He's our, he's our high tower, our strong tower. He, we run to his wings and are made safe. We actually have a high protector who is able to do greater and above, far above and beyond all that we dare ask or think, according to the power that works in us, which is the Holy Spirit. And so I want to make sure that through all of the news that we cover on a day-to-day basis, and I I don't believe it's Debbie Downerism at all, but I do think that it can become overwhelming. And I was sharing this a bit ago uh, on, on another program, and we were talking about just this idea that you've got, you know, if you look at the news media, the only story going in America right now is Judge Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. But we all know there are plenty of people in America who are dealing with sickness in their bodies, their spouse's bodies, their children's bodies. They're experiencing work loss. People are being let go. Companies are still kind of correcting and reorganizing across the country. And these are not stories that make the news. When you wake up to an email that says, come collect your things, or we need to meet with you in HR, and you find out they're letting you go and they're just giving you the bare minimum, not the, the old severance package you used to have, but the new one that they instituted about you know 12 months ago that now includes you. And so your wonderful separation has now just turned into you know 30 days or 90 days worth of pay and goodbye. It doesn't mean you can't find another job, but it means that you're struggling. And the last thing you care about is whether or not the Senate wants to discuss Judge Kavanaugh throwing beer when he was a college student. I thought, according to the left, that anything goes. I thought my body, my choice. I thought, you know, stop putting your morality on me. Stop judging me. I thought the left believed in the kind of wild carousing that we saw from Judge Kavanaugh. That's, that, that's, that's what I thought. You know, I thought it was boys will be boys and they're going to have fun. And, you know, so obviously not for sexual assault, not now, but back when Bill Clinton was doing it, it was that's between him and his wife. Those settlements don't mean anything. They don't have anything to do with his ability to, ju- to, to run the country. So, I mean, which is it? And also, I'm not a beer drinker, but I definitely have been in enough restaurants and eaten out enough to see people drinking beer to know that you don't put ice in beer. What, why are all of these stories plagued by this absolutely, the, the, there's always an element to the story that's unbelievable. How can he throw a beer on somebody with ice in it? How do I mean it? So is it really beer or was that a thing back in the 70s for people to drink beer with ice in it? Somebody have to let me know. I've never in my life seen a person drink a beer at a restaurant with ice in it. Another lie. And I thought if it happened before he was 18, it didn't matter. I thought people, you know, have to be tolerant of other people's differences. If he was a brawler back in college, so what? I mean, I, and that's not the way I feel. But that is what the Democrats have told us. Isn't, isn't that the case? We went to see that movie this weekend, uh, the one with Kevin Hart, where he's going back to night school. I think that's the name of the movie, Night School. 
It was just a, a load of vulgarities. There were some genuinely funny moments, but they took a movie that could have been so funny and so cute, and they just, anything goes. One of the characters had to be a lesbian and stayed at multiple times during the, the, the movie. And again, it's up to us to decide what we're going to go watch and spend our money on. But I thought, according to the left, we're not allowed to put our moral judgments on other people. Yet with Judge Kavanaugh, that's all I hear them doing because they can't do the sexual assault thing is out the window. I hope you all know that that's that ship has sailed. The idea that he was running, all, you know, all of the, the horrible. The, those were some of the worst lies and slander we've seen publicly leveled against someone recently. All of that's out the window. The second accuser is being discredited. The third accuser, you know, most even a lot of Democrats are like, well, you know, I don't even believe that. And the further into it they go, the worse it gets. But here we are knowing that we're so we know we're going to be attacked. We know that there's going to be uh, rough, rough stuff going on, especially politically now that we are at this place in the country where we literally have a split right down the middle and we have evil on one side just running and running amok and, and advocating for every improper act and then you have people on the right side who honestly it's just regular people there's it's not that it's virtuous over on the right but at least there's an acknowledgement that we need God we need to have him in the mix and that's not from everyone on the right but it's definitely a more prevailing thought so what are we to do well we got to go to the word so today's daily confession is Romans sixteen twenty. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So what that sounds like is, Father, thank you that you are the God of peace and you will soon crush Satan under my feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus is with me. And you're confessing that. And when you start feeling that anxious spirit creeping in on you, when you start worrying about what's going to happen this week, when you start thinking this looks hopeless, I mean, what, what's happening with America? It looks like it's on fire. You confess this and allow God's peace to rush in and know that he's still on the throne. He still turns the head of the leader, whither which way it might go, and that he works all things out for the good of those who are called, that love him and are called according to his purpose. And he can make a way out of no way and that he is hearing your prayers. He hears the prayers of the saints. They're continually poured out before him. And we, <laughs> it's our job is to send those puppies his way. It's, it's our job to communicate with him and to not allow this. It's just like a spirit of division and upset that is just roiling the country right now. When you're looking at someone in the grocery store, are you honestly thinking about Judge Kavanaugh and the accusers? Or are you thinking, hmm, do I recognize that person? I wonder how much longer I'm going to be in here because I got to get home in time to, you know, walk the dog. Or did I get everything on the list? Or for me, earlier today at the grocery store, it was I couldn't find any frozen corn dogs. My son put frozen corn dogs on the list and I couldn't find any. I hadn't thought about Judge Kavanaugh or the Supreme Court or the Democrats for at least a couple of hours. And I probably wouldn't have except, you know, I had already prepared for the show today and I knew I was doing a show. And so, you know, my mind turned back to it. But we have got to start fighting this tendency to feel low down and beaten and downtrodden and to assume the language of victimhood and of the left when God has told us he puts all, it's, it's all of the Satan and his minions are under our feet. 
He doesn't say he's just that, that he's just under there. God says he will soon crush Satan under our feet. And that is a continuing theme in the Bible. Just so we know, I didn't just cherry pick one. Armed for battle. Psalms 1839 says, you are armed with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And the blood of the lamb will protect you. In Revelation 12, 11, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. It's time to claim the inheritance that comes along with being clothed in white, child of the king, royal priesthood. We are the truth bearers. It's time for us to act like it. Lift your head and understand that the author and finisher of our faith has seen even this circumstance and planned for it and ordained all of us for such a time as this to speak the truth in love and to go forward, not in fear, but in strength and power. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of peace, love, and a sound mind. So these are things that if we're feeling that, we meditate on them. And then we go forward. We're not going down fighting. We are fighting, but we're not going down. And I truly believe that the, it's the silent anger. The same thing we saw when the media gave Donald Trump millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars of free airtime because they thought, this is the guy we want to put up against Hillary. She will destroy him. And instead... They empowered an individual who I, I really believe he, he was on his way to winning beyond that. I couldn't see it at the time, but he was on his way to winning without their free advertising. But they just put him over the top. And now he's that monster of their own creation. And soon we'll have yet another. Judge Kavanaugh, who was a moderate, a politically moderate individual. Sure, he was a Republican, but very much in the vein of our more moderate Republicans in the conference. And now they've pushed him over into our world. He may not be Bible thumping yet. He may not be cleaning his guns obsessively yet. He may not yet be reading the Constitution obsessively or having his kids take Hillsdale colleges online or Hillsdale classes. But, uh, oh, he's close. You could hear it in his voice. That's a man who's been forever changed by the attacks that the left launched on him. And thank God for it. When we get back, we're going to have more for you. Stay right there. Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. 
MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Back in the late 1960s, there was an attempt to overthrow the leadership of a large Christian organization. This was led by a handful of strong, appealing leaders. They marched into the president's office, sat down, and began to outline their vision, their direction, and what was wrong with his leadership and the organization. And the bottom line is they asked him to resign. They said they knew better than he did what the organization needed. Well, not only did he refuse to resign, but by the end of that meeting, they were all fired. Well, today, this organization has not only grown, it has thrived and become incredibly fruitful for the cause of Christ. We shouldn't be nervous, suspicious Christians thinking that everybody is out to get us. That is not the purpose of that story. On the other hand, we should never underestimate the spirit of pride and or jealousy. In Nehemiah chapter 4, we see an incredible conspiracy, a plan to stop Nehemiah in his tracks. Listen to these words, beginning in verse 8. And all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. Now verse 9. But we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. And now down in verse 21. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. And verse 23. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon even to the water. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Not everybody has pure motives, uh, nor do they want to be a source of encouragement to you. Keep your eyes on the Lord, but take necessary precautions. Legacy Moment with Crawford Loritz is produced by Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. All right, welcome back to the show. Um, after our interview, we're going to delve into the story of the young man that I previewed for you yesterday, the one who he was wrongly convicted of, but by, on the word of someone else, just like what's happening to, to Judge Kavanaugh, where he's being accused based on no evidence at all. And this young man served five years in prison and lost his football scholarship and really had his life derailed by this false accusation that was later recanted by his accuser. And so we're going to talk about that in the third segment. We'll also take your calls. The number is 866-963-2037. As we do in the last segment every day, we'll take your calls. And right now, it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. It's Vic Ath. He's a former development officer for Young America's Foundation. Thank you so much, Vic, for joining us today. Thank you for having me on, Stacey. Happy to be here. You know, I'm really glad to talk to you about this Here's your piece over at National Review. America has forgotten immigrants, the victims of socialism. So let's talk about the failed ideological rival to freedom making a comeback here in America. Why is that happening? Well, uh, Stacey, I wrote this article in part because of just the heightened rhetoric from the left on immigration in our country. Um, And what they fail to realize and fail to bring up is you know, the America's forgotten immigrants, the victims of socialism. Um, there are countless Americans that have come to this country legally, that have gone to the process. Countries like parents who came from Cambodia, and they have underwent atrocities in these other nations 
only to come to the United States and have their voices and their stories ignored by the left. Mm. And so I, I kind of have an idea of why the left would not want to highlight stories from people who've immigrated here from failed experiments like Cambodia or let's say Venezuela, a more recent example of how socialism just does not work. But how can we get those stories out? I mean, you're sharing here on this program, how do we get these stories out so that high schoolers and college students can understand that it only works, socialism only works when you have someone else like America paying for your military. And even then, it's not guaranteed. Yeah, well, I think the problem comes down to, and this is the root of is our education system. You know, um, young American uh, kids in high school, even in middle, middle school, even in college, um, they're not hearing these stories. Um, they're not talking about this in the history textbooks. Uh, socialism is viewed as this um, untried, uh, this, this new idea that hasn't been tried before, something radical. And, um, you know, you're not going to hear about Cambodia in your textbooks. You're not going to hear about Venezuela in your textbooks. And the professors and the teachers aren't going to talk about the failures of socialism. They're going to talk about the so-called failures of capitalism and the uh, unjustness of capitalism. I think it goes back to our education system. And in order to get stories like mine out there, stories like that of my parents, I feel like we need to take a look at our education system before we even have that conversation. So, well, I mean, so we're talking about a textbook issue, but we know who controls textbooks for public education anyway, and so much of private school. So if you're talking about independent private schools that don't have a, a, you know, component of religion, whether it's Catholicism or Christianity, most of these private independent schools also use similar textbooks to the ones that are used in public school. They're just at a higher level, a higher reading level. And they all promote this idea that if we could only try socialism the correct way, then a hundred million people wouldn't die. You know, people wouldn't starve to death. The leadership wouldn't kill people, shoot them in, in public places, prevent them from protesting and exercising their rights. We just need to take the guns from everyone and then try some socialism. Yes. And that, that notion and that argument has just been brought up endlessly. And even the argument of, you know, uh, what they have in Europe, that's the type of socialism that they want to try, not the socialism of the Soviet Union or, or China or, uh, or uh, Venezuela. That's, that's a lot that's more different than the socialism that is in Europe. But, you know, in my case, in my family's case with Cambodia, I could not think of a more pure form of socialism that was implemented. Uh, Pol Pot, who was the dictator in Cambodia, he was educated in France. He had his education in France. He learned about socialist philosophy. He brought that back with him to Cambodia, and he implemented it perfectly. Uh, he, like private property rights, for example, there was no private property. The government controlled all property in Cambodia, no citizens were allowed to own things. They were provided to them from the government, health care included, and it was a disaster. I mean, even the Vietnamese, who were communists at the time, had to invade the country of Cambodia because Pol Pot was murdering his own people. He was too socialist. He was too socialist by the Vietnamese standards because he nailed it perfectly. Hmm. 
I, I, I'm just, I'm still reeling. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still reeling from the fact that you just said that he just learned about it. It's almost like he learned about it offhand and took it back there and then was able to kill all those people. Like that's how dangerous misinformation is. I'm, I'm of the mindset that for parents, and this is speaking of someone, our kids used to go to public school and then we put them in a private Christian school. We have one year of homeschooling under our belt from our senior doing that last year before she graduated and went on to college this fall. But I'm of the mindset that most parents, especially if you're a parent of, of faith, if you love this country, that you should really be looking into homeschooling or that you should be so active in your kid's school that it's it's like it's your school. If if you're you know, if, if you have a family member at home that's staying home and can actually devote those hours, it is it is imperative that our kids know that this is the wrong way to go. And, and the left has been so organized in their takeover of public school that it's almost as if you can't you can't shoehorn the truth in there. If that's correct, and I mean, uh, I think that's where we conservatives, um, where we need to improve, is um, again looking at our education system, looking at um, who's on the school boards, looking at the curriculum that the left for years they have dominated the field, and uh, if we're thinking about the future, if we're thinking a hundred years ahead, um, we need to get conservative in academics. And either at the collegiate level or at our high schools, our middle schools, our elementary schools, we need to start teaching civics again in this country. And our young people need to understand what makes America exceptional. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's and your your family story. Oh, my goodness. Your father learned English from Christian missionaries and a church sponsored he and you, your whole family to come to the United States. And then he worked hard. He had no education before, finished high school, earned a bachelor's degree in mathematics and physics, which that's no easy curriculum, and then earned a master's and PhD in mathematics as well, and then worked with NASA on the space shuttle Endeavor, and to this day is a contracted civilian advisor to the Department of Defense. Of Defense, this is the kind of stuff where your dad should be traveling the nation, visiting high schools, talking about the fantastic opportunities that exist here in the United States for any student who wants to work at NASA, who wants to take up real studies, math, science, and and really focus on those and do well in those areas to go on to do amazing things. And it's, it's not just NASA. We have fantastic companies here, Exxon and other companies that if you want a scientific job, Boeing, these are places where if you know math and science, you not only have a spot waiting for you, but you're well-paid and they continue to help you get more education to work in your career field. I mean, America has so much opportunity for kids who want to work. And then you don't have to worry about needing the government to own health care or anything like that because you're well-educated and you have an opportunity to make a life for yourself. But America is also exceptional because we, you know, you don't have to have a college education to be successful in America. You can you can work and earn a living and take care of a family in America without a college degree. Um, you, you said, Ronald Reagan said it best, if freedom is lost here, there's no place to escape to. Yes, and I, you know, I firmly believe that. My, my father and my mother, they both raised me to be a proud American. And, you know, they, they immigrated to the country in the 80s, in the early 80s, when Ronald Reagan was president. And they saw at that time just the hope and the vision that Reagan portrayed as America's president. And my father saw that optimism and saw that spark and saw his opportunity. Yeah, when he came to the United States, he was living in a poor neighborhood. You know, again, he did not 
speak English. He didn't have the resources. He didn't come up from a position of privilege, per se. But he saw this as an opportunity to make it. And at that time in the early 80s, to be an American meant he had, you won the lottery. My dad won the lottery when he came to the U.S., and he took full advantage of the opportunities afforded him. And I believe that in this country, you know, we've had so many innovations, so much progress here in America, American scientists, American businessmen who have led the world in academia and sciences. Um, America's the, I still believe America's the place to do it. The American dream is still alive and well. Um, but, again, if we don't look at our education system, if we forget what made America great in the first place, then the future could could be dark, it could be gloomy for, for our young people in the future. But today, I, again, I'm, I'm an optimist. I think that, you know, with President Trump in office, um, again, the economy is soaring, it's growing. There is optimism, but we do have a fight. We have an uphill battle as conservatives, and we need to keep that in our minds as we go forward. Well, I, I, I agree, and I think um, one of our most challenging issues is that when people are ideologically convinced that they're right, even evidence to the contrary, like dead bodies stacked up, doesn't seem to change their mind. And so it's it's imperative that we start catching Americans before they're infected with this idea that socialism can work. We have to catch them before they accept that idea, because once they've been infected with it, it you know, it seems that there's really no no check or balance for it, no way to pull them out of it, except, you know, flying plane loads of people over to Venezuela and dropping them off, you know, with just the clothes on their back and, you know, five bucks. Just let them let them live down there. Let them eat pets and zoo animals for a while and see how socialism really works. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Vic Ath, former development officer at Young America's Foundation. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, Pleasure to, to talk, talk to you. you. Yeah, fantastic. I'm going to share the piece uh, on the Facebook page if you'd like to go there and read it. It's excellent. Um, the story about his father and how he made it um, just – you know, that's the kind of stuff that's inspiring. And I, I think we should share those kinds of stories with our kids, share them, make sure that they, they know, Hey, are you know, and also find out what they're doing in school, find out what are their teachers teaching them about socialism, ask to see their textbook. Um, and then if you don't like what you see, the curriculum and instruction superintendent. So you probably have one of those. If your school board, if your school district is set up like most school districts, you have a superintendent of curriculum and instruction. And that's the person who, with the help of a committee of parents, chooses what books, textbooks, what resources, what online websites will be utilized in your class, your child's classroom. And you might be thinking, well, I mean, who has time for that? Who has time to try to de-indoctrinate their child? who learns that socialism is the way, it's the future, it's the new thing. Our parents believe in this old thing called capitalism. The new thing really works so much better. It's better for inequality. And let me tell you something about inequality. It's always been a thing because some people are always going to be willing to work way harder than other people. And some people are always going to make better choices than other people. And so Inequality exists because different people exist, because we're not all drones or robots. There's no way to 
eliminate what people are calling inequality except to teach people to make better decisions. That's all we can do. It's no longer about race or ethnicity, no longer about gender. It's about decisions. Like I said, you're looking at your neighbor's grass, that's still grass. It's still got to be cut, and he's probably spending a lot more time cutting it, weeding it, treating it than you might be spinning on your own grass. So instead of looking at his and thinking how much better it looks, grass is grass, mow your own, take care of it, you know, be satisfied with what you have and improve what you have. That, that's the root of all of this is covetousness and envy and people wanting to say, he has too much. How dare you? Do you know how many nights that person stayed up? How much time they didn't spend watching TV? How much of an opportunity they left out on for socializing and spending time, you know, relaxing, maybe going and hanging out with friends. They spent that time studying math and science or working on a business 24 hours a day, working there and not getting much sleep for year after year after year until they finally were successful. Now you're going to say they make too much money based upon what? Grass is grass. We all got to mow our own plot, take care of our own selves, worry about ourselves first. Do what we need to do for ourselves first and see what kind of what kind of gains we can make. Where was I this time last year? What was I this time five years ago? Where do I want to be in five years? Ask, ask God, which, which direction should I go in? In five years, where should I be? Oh, you'd be amazed at what God has in store for us that we're not taking advantage of because we're too busy looking at our neighbor's grass, too busy going, oh, look what he's got. Look, look, look. Too much. We, we can't be those people. So... I was talking about this story. When we come back in from this break, we're going to be listening to this young man talking about how he just, he was completely, I, I won't say, he wasn't destroyed. His name's Brian Banks. He was wrongly accused of rape and exonerated after serving five years, but it was all based upon the word of one student against his. And he took the plea arrangement because he had a, terrible attorney. And the attorney said, it's 40 years or you take this plea deal and you'll be out in three years. Instead, he ended up being sentenced to five, six years and serving five and losing everything he'd really set up to, you know, worked hard for as a, as a football student. So when we come back in from this break, you'll be hearing from Brian Banks and he's going to be telling you how he survived that, how he got through that and was able to come to this place now where he's helping people who've been wrongly convicted and working and also has a, a, um, a contract with a football team to play football. How did he go from in prison to that? You'll hear him talking about that and what concept he used to stay sane and focused right after these messages. So stay there. it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Lauren and I have seven children between the ages of two and 26, children at all stages of development. I can tell you from experience that children are always precious, but they can be trying sometimes. Therefore, we have to create consequences for them, consequences that are part of a system of discipline that sets up parameters and guidelines of what is and what is not acceptable behavior. Otherwise, chaos ensues. Behavior potentially worsens as they continue to defy the rules. 
It may be painful at the time, but it is necessary for their health and well-being. In the same way, it's no fun when the Lord disciplines you, but He's doing it for your good. New York Times best-selling author, Tony Dungy. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Research on religion and American life by the Barner Group shows that only 4% of professing Christians actually possess a Christian worldview. The Barner Group asks the following questions to determine whether or not a Christian worldview is present. Do absolute moral truths exist? Does the Bible define absolute truth? Did Jesus Christ live a sinful life? Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe and does he still rule it today? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Is Satan real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? The correct answer to all of these questions is yes. Do you agree? If not, you do not have a Christian worldview. Instead of going through the motions, let's use our lives to honor and serve God by living out a biblically sound Christian worldview in every avenue of our lives. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. This is House Call for Health. During the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford was asked how she was so sure her memories of a sexual attack are correct. Just the level of norepinephrine and epinephrine in the brain that sort of, as you know, encodes that neurotransmitter, encodes memories into the hippocampus. And so the trauma-related experience then is kind of locked there, whereas other details kind of drift. Psychologists say Dr. Ford's description of how the brain processes a traumatic event are essentially correct. The chemicals she mentions increase in stressful situations. She also talks about the part of the brain called the hippocampus where memories are held. But experts in how the brain works say it's not completely clear how we hang on to decades-old memories and whether it's possible those memories could change over time. For more health news, go to foxnewshealth.com. House Call for Health, I'm Joy Piazza, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Um, simply the power of choice. It's not what you go through, but how you allow it to affect you and what you choose to do moving forward. There was a period of my life where I felt, like I said, I had every negative emotion you could think of. And one day I had this epiphany that I'm not in control over the things that are taking place in my life, but I am in control of me while going through these unwanted situations. And so that was the way that I made my way out, was to know that I wanted more for me than anybody else wanted, and I knew my truth, I was gonna stick to it. And it was all the power of choice, how I chose to look at things, how I chose to respond, what I chose to do moving forward. And it has me here today working with Lonnie Coombs on Final Appeal and helping people who can't help themselves. Oh, fantastic to hear him talking like that. And the, if you're just tuning into the show, welcome. We're going to be taking calls in a minute. Our call lines are open at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. And the person you heard speaking was Brian Banks a man who accepted a plea deal and went to prison on his 18th birthday. He was literally incarcerated on his 18th birthday. He was exonerated with the help of the California Innocence Project, and he went on the Megyn Kelly Today show and was joined by Project Director Justin Brooks and former prosecutor Lonnie Combs, with whom he examines the now potentially wrongful convictions on a new series that they're putting out, which is Final Appeal. 
And so you'll get to, if you watch that show, you'll get to see them go through the process of making the final appeal for individuals who are current, they have current cases that are pending. And what's so interesting about his story is that um, in addition to it being really just the entire conviction predicated on the word of his accuser, his word against her word, uh, but his lawyer said, you're a big black man. When you show up in court big and black, those women on that jury are going to see that and they're going to instantly convict you and you're going to serve 40 years in prison. So he and his mom, after hearing that, decided to take the plea deal. Meanwhile, the woman her and her mom, they, so this is a teenage girl. He was a teenager at the time. She realized that after he had pled to this criminal conviction, that the school district could be held liable. So she went forward with a civil case, a civil suit against the school, and sued them for $1.5 million and won. During that lawsuit, others were coming in uh, you know, from the, from the school district, and they were saying, look, you got to help us defend against this because we believe you. We believe nothing happened. If we can't exonerate you, we will end up you know, having to pay this huge judgment, and the school shouldn't have to pay for something that never happened. Well, his lawyer was like, he's already taken the plea deal and we don't want to put him back in jeopardy of going back for that 40 years. So forget it. So the school ended up paying them one point five million. Then the girl who's now a woman, he served five years in prison. He's walking around with an ankle bracelet on five years of probation and he's registered as a sex offender. And she reaches out to him on Facebook and says, let's put bygones behind us. And I'd really love to hang out with you and get to know you. I think we had something once upon a time. And he's like, are you out of your mind? She says, let's meet. Psychopath. So he says, you know, he calls up the Innocence Project and he says, I've been wrongfully convicted and my accuser is now trying to date me. And they said, we don't take cases where you've already been convicted and served time. We take open cases. And he sent them a screenshot of her communications on Facebook. And the head of the Innocence Project in California said, We're going to break our rule against taking cases that have already been adjudicated and we're going to take your case and we're going to get you exonerated. And that's exactly what they did. He set up a meeting with her at, it was actually, she thought they were meeting at his workplace, but they were actually meeting at his lawyer's office. She shows up there and begins to just pour out her heart to him about how she was misguided. She wanted a relationship with him. He wouldn't be with her. And so she accused him. Now they did kiss and you know have a little interlude not a sexual interlude but kissing and all of that in a stairwell at the school and she used that interaction to accuse him of sexual assault and what is so amazing about the story is that she admitted all of that to him and then said but even though that's happened I've come out so much the better for it we won a lot of money from the school and I just want to be able to move forward and I just hope you can move forward too And she didn't recant that recantation until she realized that if it went forward and he was exonerated, because he then after he got that on tape, of course, she was busted out. The attorneys came in. And then later she says, I can't do that. I can't. I I take back what I said to you. I didn't mean it, because if you lie under oath and win a huge judgment and then take it back, you have to give the money back. And she didn't want to give the one point five million dollars back. But it was too late. They had her on tape. That is pretty amazing as a story. And so am I saying that there are no victims of sexual assault? Of course not. Don't play me. Don't play with my words. Am I saying that no woman ever 
accuses a man of sexual assault and is absolutely right and, and deserves to have her hearing and, and prosecution of that man? Absolutely not. But what I am saying is just going by someone's word isn't enough. And that's how you know this is a political ploy because the Democrats just dismissed all allegations against Keith Ellison. And there are much more easily substantiated allegations against Keith Ellison. But they're doing that because they want to get away from him. You know, they want him to be statewide in uh, I think it's Minnesota, wherever Michigan, wherever he's from. And they don't want him to not be able to serve the Democrats in elected office. So they protect their own from allegations. But with Kavanaugh, well, now he threw beer with ice in it. So, I mean, obviously, he's just a monster. All right, let's go to the phones. We have Chris in Bryan, Texas. Thank you so much, Chris, for calling the show today. Thank you for having me. Sure. Uh, The the point I want to make was I was in in economics major in college and with a political science minor. But at, at one semester, I had to read the Communist Manifesto for three separate classes. So, so I made a post on Facebook about uh, about the dangers. Of, so I actually um, cited uh, Dr. Dobson's article, his warning that was on OneNewsNow.com, and I got I just realized how few people among my peer groups share my perspective. But why? I, why did you have to read it three times for three or not three times for three separate classes? Why? Why was that re- uh, well, a requirement? Well, there, there's three separate subjects. There's economics, philosophy, and political science. But what, what the dividend that came out of that was that I, I saw and I saw it on my phone that this, the passages in there that cite the dangers into us as Christians, because where Karl Marx and Engels they talk about overthrowing all societal traditions mores in favor of setting up socialism. This includes the dangers of us as Christians. And also in the preface to the 1888 edition, in the words of Engels himself, that they, he says that we, at the time we wrote it, we could not call it a socialist manifesto, because at the time, it, they're citing the differences. It was the same ideas that permeated socialists and communists. It, the difference was the source of who was acting upon the communists were the working class, socialists were the middle class. So mm. it, because their focus was on the working class, that's the name they chose to go with. But the same, but the same ideas driving them are the same. Wow. Um, I, I just caution parents. And as a parent of a, a college student, I, it's, it's just so much prayer that goes into, like, I thought I was praying before when she was in high school. I'm praying even harder now. Chris, thank you so much for calling. I'm, I'm, what I'm wanting to do is to encourage us as parents to don't don't leave that uh, off to the wayside as something that you're going to get to. Make that praying for your student and, and encouraging them and talking to them because they're under assault. Kids who've been raised right and believe in capitalism are going to school. And like he said, he for three separate classes, he had to read the Communist Manifesto. You know, if you bathe, let's just take something simple like your little dog if you have a little white dog like we do he, he's a hair dog he's a Maltese and he has to be groomed every so often or gets matted if we were to take him and constantly groom him in a solution that had a dye in it constantly every time we took him to get him bathed at home or, or took him to the the groomer and we bathed him in that solution eventually whatever hair he had on his body would no longer be white it would be whatever that solution was 
And that is what's happening with our kids. They take their nice, bright, shiny, clean little brains and bathe them in communist and socialist manifestos and all kinds of really just the worst, most horrible, nonsensical, ridiculous ideas. And then we're surprised when they come out and their pristine brains are now just pockmarked and and completely sullied with this uh, this garbage. You know, the Communist Manifesto is garbage. Remember, communism is atheism. And and I know there are atheists who listen to and watch the show. And, you know, God love you because and the ones who reach out to me always say, well, you say such horrible things about atheism. And I want you to know I'm an atheist. And, you know, I, I like your show and I know it's a Christian show, but I still like the politics and everything. And I like your moral views and I'm moral and I'm, and I'm a communist. That's a rarity. Most communists are atheists. They believe the party is the ultimate arbiter of their fate and their demise. And communism does not permit the practice of religion freely. They may permit some practice of some approved religions, but not freely. Look at the Christians in communist China, what they're going through with their Bibles getting burned. The history is not on the side of atheism and communism being the, the, the most free cultural influences. We, we're so blessed to have what we have. But if you have ingratitude towards what we have and you couple that with this idea that we could just let a little socialism in, we could just we already have socialism. We have Medicaid. No, no, <laughs> we don't have socialism because we have Medicaid. No, that's not what it is. We've got to be sharper than that. And as Christians, speaking to the Christians in the audience, you know what the Bible says. The Bible says no man can have two masters. You either love the one and hate the other. You can't have two. So you're going to either serve the one true God, our king. You're going to serve him and you will see him as the ultimate Alpha and Omega beginning and end, or you will serve political aims and they will fail you. They will fail you. They will fail you. And if you're in communist China, it won't just fail you. It'll take away your ability to practice your faith. It'll make you go underground with your Bible study and your, and your Bible itself. Take down your crosses, prevent you from erecting a church in your town and tell you all the while, if you wish to be a member of the Communist Party in good standard standing, then you will worship the president of the, the Communist Party, which is the president of China. Human rights atrocities, gulags, people being in prison, people disappearing and never coming back. You know, but I mean, I, but for, by all means, let's just do a little bit of socialism and get some communism mixed in there and let's give it a try. No. All right, let's go back to the phones. We have Kenny. In Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you, Kenny, for calling the show today. You're welcome, Stacy. Stacy, you're very likable and you're very intelligent. Oh, thank you. Earlier on, you mentioned the curriculum in the textbooks. Mm-hmm. Do you know or where can we find out uh, specifically the textbooks in the elementary schools? How can we find out um, how common it is for there to be textbooks with the homosexual transgender curriculum in those textbooks being taught to the little children across America. Do you know where can we find out? Because if we're going to sit back and turn over 85% of our four, five, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, well, then eventually God will just 
he will just eventually turn his back on us, Stacy, and it will be a very sad day. And uh, we appreciate your program very much. And one more thing, Christians mm-hmm. should not go to movies where there's filthy language. We mm-hmm. appreciate you very much, Stacy. Amen. Amen, Kenny. I, you're right. Um, we looked at the rating on that movie. It was PG-13, and I thought, oh, you know, it's probably not going to be that bad. It's it's geared towards young people, and it was that bad. It was terrible. Um, you 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 really have to read more reviews. I just it it's all going downhill so quickly. Even what you thought might still be safe is no longer safe. I don't recommend that movie at all. Uh, thank you, Kenny, so much. I so here's here's the way that that I know how it works here in the state of Missouri. So. We have something called sunshine laws, which means anything that's taxpayer funded, they have to provide any communications that exist about it. So it's the emails that the teachers and the administrators have are all subject to sunshine requests. Anything that's on the school server that's paid for by taxpayers, any school books or curriculums, any online resources or texts all have to be made available to the public upon request. So in your particular area, Kenny, and in Oklahoma, you should be able to go on the website of your school district and look and see what the sex ed curriculum is for every grade, because here's a cake taker for you. If you, if you might not have known this, um, they have sex ed starting in kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And in kindergarten, it's just like, these are your body parts, you know, keep your hands and feet to yourself. It's very simple, but it progresses to fourth grade where they introduce the more difficult concepts And then they begin to build upon that in middle school and then they go full blown before the end of middle school. And then in high school, it's, you know, it's it's embedded in the curriculum, meaning it's everywhere. So you're not going to find them say here is a grade level book for each grade that has to do with sex ed. Sex ed is embedded in the curriculum, so you can't opt out of it. So uh, go to your school district's website and you should be able to find a list. And if you cannot... You can call over to the district's administration and you don't have to have kids in the district. You only have to live in the district and they're required to give you that information by phone or to email it or mail it to you at your request. And that's how you can find out what they're teaching. All right. That is the show for this hour. If you're leaving us now, God bless you from the heartland. If you're going to stick with us, you have onenewsnow.com up next and then we'll be right back.